0: Just like us, the disciples in the New Testament surrounding Jesus were trying to figure out what does it mean to serve the Lord? How can we best serve the Lord? This question continues to reverberate through our fellowship and other fellowships just like ours throughout the world, Christian people trying to figure out how do we live out our faith? in a redemptive, useful, helpful, meaningful, purposeful way. Those disciples gathered around Jesus on that remarkable moment in the first chapter of Acts in the New Testament, heard Jesus telling them that he was going to be ascending and going back to be with God, and they were going to be in charge of taking the message that he had instilled in them bearing witnesses to the power of the resurrection and moving out into the broader community and even into the world. And the scripture that sometimes we just sort of pass over in our scriptural readings and in Bible studies becomes a profound foundation for who we are and how we live out our faith today, especially in partnership with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship we'll be hearing more about in just a moment. This is the imperative that Jesus gives to the disciples then and to us as his disciples now. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Our partnership with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship really Is based on these principles, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If you can imagine how it would have felt to be a disciple hearing Jesus telling them, you're going to tell this message here in Jerusalem. Jerusalem in those days was a city of about 60,000 people. It was very urbanized, sophisticated, On high holy days in the Jewish year, it could have as many as 400,000 people in Jerusalem. The thought of talking about the resurrection and sharing the Christian faith to those numbers of people would have been daunting, just as it is for us today in Atlanta or the broader scenario This Judea and Samaria, the region that these Christian disciples, Jesus said, I need you to tell the story of the resurrection and the faith that I am instilling in you. Share with people the way God is changing lives and moving among us. Judea and Samaria would have been even more daunting for them, just as for us, our regional idea of what would be the equivalent in North America. How can a church like ours have any impact, not just in the broader Atlanta area, but for North America and to the ends of the earth? My goodness, in Jesus' day, this idea of moving out into the Greco-Roman world, this sophisticated culture where people were very urbane and speaking lots of different languages and in this global economy of that day, how in the world, could those simple disciples have an impact on people's lives? And the same question still resonates today for you and me. What kind of difference can one church like ours have? What what sort of resources can we bring to bear on the tragedies of Afghanistan or Haiti or any other places in North America or Atlanta or to the ends of the earth. We are so thankful in our congregation to be a part of a a broader community of congregations like ours, all asking the same question, what can we do with the resources that we have to make a difference? And thanks to our Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, we are able to pool our resources with other churches like ours, and together have a powerful and very exciting impact not only here in Atlanta, Decatur, the broader world of Georgia and North America, but truly to the ends of the earth. I'm so thankful for Paul Baxley and Paul's leadership in the CBF or Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. And Paul and Adam, we're so thankful to have both of you here today. Paul is not only the executive coordinator of the CBF, but he's also the father of four children, and the husband of one wife, Jennifer. And so we're thrilled that that Paul is balancing this act of being father, husband, and a guide and leader for us and churches like ours across the Southeast and across our nation to help all of us figure out how can we best use our resources to have an impact in our world for Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul, thank you for being here. Thanks so much for sharing with us today, and welcome.
1: David, thank you so much for this opportunity to be in worship with you and this congregation. We are grateful to be here to celebrate Kelsey's involvement in CBF Fellows, but also to offer a word of gratitude to this congregation for your critical and essential leadership in the life of the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. As I stand here this morning, I can't help but thinking of Paul's words to the church at Philippi. He said, I thank my God every time I remember you. I'm grateful for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. From the beginnings of our Cooperative Baptist Fellowship 30 years ago, this summer. (laughs) Peter Ray, can you believe it? (laughs) 30 years ago this summer. And even in our Baptist life before that season of beginning 30 years ago, First Baptist Church Decatur has been central to the life and ministry and witness of the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. And so I want to thank you this morning for your prayers, for your participation, for your giving, for the leadership of lay people and ministers through several generations of this church. The Cooperative Baptist Fellowship would not exist without congregations like First Baptist Decatur, and we exist for congregations like First Baptist Decatur. I've already mentioned that it was 30 years ago this summer that the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship was formed to help congregations like yours respond to Christ's call to ministry and mission in your communities and around the world. 30 years ago, I don't believe that the COVID-19 pandemic was in anyone's imaginations. I think if we had told those who gathered here in Atlanta 30 years ago this summer to start this fellowship, that a period of more than 500 days would come and go when congregations could not gather in person, when you could not hold in-person annual meetings for our fellowship. That would have exceeded the imagination of those who gathered in this city. None of us could have imagined the world in which we had been trying to minister and serve in these pandemic days. No, when our fellowship was founded 30 years ago, one of the lively questions was not, how would we navigate a pandemic? One of the lively questions 30 years ago is, what would we call ourselves? And when we chose to call ourselves a fellowship, some people said, that language is not serious enough. It is not heavy enough, because after all, when we bat this thing fellowship, we think of a room in the building where you serve coffee and donuts and fried chicken and things like that. Is that the life together to which we have been summoned? Some of our detractors, you know, we are Baptists, which means we do have detractors. Some of our detractors said, shouldn't you use a more serious word like I don't know, convention? Like that works out real well. <laughs> our union, as though Baptist I mean Baptist and cooperative creates enough jokes. Fatness and union, forget it. (laughs) Fellowship. That seems kind of watered down, kind of wishy-washy, kind of casual, kind of like a, a meal. But 30 years into our life together, I think it's the perfect word to describe the mission and the ministry to which we have been called. Because you see, that word fellowship has its roots, not in a potluck lunch. But in the language of the New Testament, in Philippians chapter 1, the word Paul uses that's translated there, partnership in the gospel, is "koinonia," And that's a word that's translated in the first chapter of 1 John, fellowship. And the writer of 1 John says to those who receive his commentary that their fellowship is with one another and with the triune God. Their fellowship is with one another and the one whom First John calls the Father and the Son. So don't you see that for us the word fellowship is not just a description of a room or a kind of meal that is shared. It is our way of coming together with other believers and sharing the inner life of the God who made the world and summoned us by the river with Joshua at Acts 1-8 at the day of ascension and to this present moment to come together for a life together that isn't even our own life but instead the very life of God in the world. Anybody want to argue that fellowship is a serious word now? Our fellowship is with one another. Our fellowship is with 1,400 congregations in the United States. Our fellowship is with more than 60 global mission field personnel who serve in the United States and 19 other countries. Our fellowship is with a dozen theological schools in which women and men, all people, are preparing for lives of ministry and missional leadership in the church. Our fellowship is with other organizations that exist to strengthen congregations and serve them. But that that word koinonia, sometimes translated partnership, sometimes translated fellowship, doesn't just refer to the association between human beings that we enter into voluntarily. No New Testament scholar Stephen Fowl says it refers to a mutual undertaking that is not of our own making. It refers to a life that begins beyond us and then we are drawn into it by sheer grace. So 30 years into our life together, 30 years into this fellowship journey, I've come by to see you today to tell you that it shouldn't surprise you or me that the distinguishing habits of our life together are not things that just begin in us but their ways of being their ways of living their ways of acting that begin in the very life of God and God alone and then we join in them because that's what happens when we are in fellowship with the God who made us and redeemed us and sustains us to this day. One of those ways of being that begins in the life of God is the way of inviting, <laughs> the way of invitation. I shouldn't have to say that in a Baptist church because except for the pandemic, any Baptist service of worship inclu- includes an invitation, Right. And most of us who grew up Baptist, our journey with Jesus began. We walked an aisle like this and professed our faith in Jesus in response to God's invitation and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we stood in baptismal waters, I'm guessing right back there, David. We began this journey with Jesus in response to God's invitation. Our fellowship was formed 30 years ago in response to God's invitation to a new way of being and even 30 years in our fellowship is still in the holy business of inviting not from a place of presumptuous arrogance as so the invitation is ours but instead as a stewardship of an invitation that has come to us and that we cannot hold inside ourselves an invitation that begs to be released an invitation that goes ever Wider that incorporates more congregations and more individuals and more partners and more people and invites more and more people to find their place in the daring love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Our fellowship brings people together at God's invitation. We invite congregations like First Baptist Decatur to be in relationship with other congregations and missionaries around the world. We invite women and men to consider God's call in their lives and under the leadership of your church member, Davida Parnell, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship leads an ecosystem for young Baptists in which college students and seminary students have a chance to serve in congregations across our fellowship and with our missionaries around the world, not just to contribute to their ministries, but to reflect on whether or not God might be calling them to lives in mission. And ministry through internships like that and programs like that, we are inviting people to respond to the same invitation that we have received. We are inviting a new generation of bold and faithful leadership for the church. Now, not everybody who comes into those summer programs for college and graduate students decides they're called to preach. <laughs> Thank God some decide they're called to live out their vocations in the so-called real world. Thank God some take their baptismal commitments and teach school and heal the sick and practice law and live as business people who remake the world every day of their lives in their own vocations. Our fellowship is inviting people every day, every summer to respond to God's call in their lives. And when some do hear a call to mission or ministry, We join with theological schools to provide scholarships so that those callings can be nurtured. Our fellowship invites congregations like yours into a mission that's bigger than any mission you could have on your own. More about that in a moment. One way of life we see in the life of God is the way of invitation. But another thing that happens to us as we journey further and further in our own faith in Jesus Christ, in our own congregational lives, is we find ourselves being equipped. (laughs) That is, the Holy Spirit gives us all the gifts we need. The Holy Spirit helps us grow in faith. The Holy Spirit strengthens our relationship with God through Jesus Christ so that growing in faith, growing in love, growing in hope through prayer and worship and study and service, we find ourselves being equipped more and more to live as Christians in this world. Just as the triune God equips us, so our cooperative Baptist family exists to extend a ministry of equipping. CBF Fellows Program, in which Kelsey participates, is a really good example of the kind of equipping that we have heard a call to be involved in in cbf life let's get real clear about what the cbf fellows program is not it's not an opportunity to bring 16 people together so that i can tell them what to do there are many words for that but baptist is actually not one of them no because we are Baptists who believe in the priesthood of all believers what happens in the CBF Fellows program is a group of 16 ministers in different kinds of callings and different kind of lives come together to learn from one another and teach one another. And every time that cohort gathers, all of us there, facilitators, staff, cohort members, learn from one another because the equipping we have been invited toward is not one of expert facilitation, but instead learning and growing and living together. That's just one example. Our fellowship provides ministers further along their life journey with chances to be in other kinds of peer learning groups and other kinds of retreat settings so that throughout decades and decades of life in ministry, they are continuously equipped for the life to which God has called them. There are two other ministries I'll just point to briefly today that demonstrates how First Baptist Cicada gains access to a community of equipping because you have responded to an invitation to be part of the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. (laughs) One is you are an encourager church for two of our field personnel that serve around the world, for the Lees in Macedonia and the Baileys in Indonesia. Now, when we first created the encourager church program, which another of your members, Ellen Seacrest leads, our assumption was that it would be a way of congregations providing additional financial support to some field personnel. They came to love and care about, but Oh boy, did the Holy spirit have a surprise for us. What we discovered is that as congregations got to know field personnel better, they didn't just provide prayer and funding. They also became involved in a daily way in a ministry. They would have never seen in their own communities. First Baptist Decatur is instrumentally and significantly involved in ministry in Macedonia and Indonesia. Those ministries are stronger because of you. You are equipping not only the Baileys and the Lees, but also their partners to be involved in a work they couldn't have on their own. But beyond that. As the pandemics end and you have more opportunities to be with the Lees and to be with the Baileys, you will find that there are things that they and their partners are learning and seeing that can strengthen your congregation as you seek to be more faithful here in Decatur. There is a mutuality of equipping that happens in those relationships, and it is beautiful. And I'm so pleased while I'm speaking about our fellowships extending the equipping work of God that I can tell you that we are just now starting one of the most important initiatives in our history. We're calling it our Thriving Congregations Initiative. The Lilly Endowment gave us a million dollars to get it organized. But the, The concept of that Thriving Congregations Initiative is what does it mean to bring lay leaders of a church like First Baptist Decatur into a one-year journey of learning and teaching and equipping alongside the lay leaders and ministers of four or five other congregations that are enough like First Baptist Decatur to have enough to talk about, but enough different from First Baptist Decatur so that you can learn from one another and strengthen one another. Not just a peer learning group for David and four or five pastors, but a learning community that involves leaders of this congregation alongside four or five other congregations and then reaches out into all of those congregations to collect the learnings. And then we share what congregations teach one another across our fellowship. That's how you do equipping if you take seriously the priesthood of each and every believer and you understand that every believer you meet has something that can that you can learn from and be equipped by The power of this kind of equipping has become particularly evident to me in the 500 and some days of the pandemics. I'll be honest enough to confess that I've always been skeptical of experts who told me they had a 12 step program to fix most anything. But about six months ago, when people started publishing books on the 12 habits of post pandemic churches, I got even more suspicious. Like who's ever been there before? I don't need an expert who wrote a book six months ago about a world they could not have anticipated 12 months later to tell me what I should do. No, I need fellow believers in Christ who can pray with me and walk alongside me and help me discover what it means to be faithful in a world that is strange and new to us, but is not strange to God. Equipping. And then this. When you look inside the life of God, you don't just see inviting And equipping, you see, transforming. Take Jesus at his word. He didn't, you know, we all we back, some of us we responded to that invitation, just as I am without one plea. And it is true that we all come to Jesus just as we are, but we do not come to Jesus to be left as we are. If you don't want to take my word for it, take Jesus. Jesus said, I have come to bring good news to the poor recovery of sight to the blind, release to the captives, to let the oppressed go free. Jesus comes to transform our hearts, our minds, our congregations, and our world. Jesus is not satisfied with the status quo, and Jesus can never be faithfully used by those who just want to protect it. At the heart of the life of the triune God is a mission of transformation. Transformation. And in our 30 years as a fellowship, we have seen transformation. Not because we're that good, but because God is that gracious. We have seen transformation in the lives of congregations like First Baptist Cicator that have had the courage to respond to changing times by opening themselves to new ways of ministry and we have seen transformation all around the world because as every other mission-sending body almost has abandoned long-term missionaries, we have renewed our commitment. I'm gonna tell you today the difference field personnel are making in a transformative way because of our prayers and support and participation on the front lines of two of the most difficult things that are taking place in the world this week. Just a week ago, we learned of another devastating earthquake in Haiti. An actual earthquake that followed the political earthquake of the assassination of Haiti's president. As Cooperative Baptists, you and 1,399 other some congregations support Jenny Jenkins. Who lives in a community called Grand Gove, Haiti, about 60 miles south-southwest of Port-au-Prince. She reports that though she's well and her community is well, they could feel the earthquake in her community. Jenny was commissioned by our fellowship 11 years ago, and she began her ministry in the wake of another earthquake. Her form of ministry is medical. <laughs> she exists to meet the medical and physical needs of folks in her community who have no access to health care. And over the last decade, she has made a, she's built a series of relationships and partnerships in Haiti that make her uniquely well com- connected to Haitian Baptists, and government leaders and individuals in that country so that now Jenny is on the front lines of helping Batists around the world organize our response to the Haitian earthquake. If all you had was a two-year service assignment in Haiti, you wouldn't have the relationships required to do that kind of work. But because Jenny has been there for a decade, building relationships, healing disease, Providing drinking water, doing ministries like that, she and we are now uniquely positioned to participate in the recovery work in Haiti. That's transformation. And it's transformation that wouldn't be possible without congregations like you. And then I've got to tell you about my friends, Lita and Rick Sample, who 20 years ago this coming summer, were commissioned as CBF field personnel to serve in Fremont, California. If you're following the news this week, you know that the largest community of Afghan refugees in the United States is in Fremont, California. And 20 years ago when the Samples went to Fremont, California, they were serving among Afghan refugees and Iranian Christians. The Afghan refugees, many of whom had been displaced by the Taliban in the Taliban's first uh, reign of rule in the nation of Afghanistan. For 20 years, Lita and Rick Sample have been having meals. with Afghan Muslims and Christians. For 20 years, they've been taking volunteers from cooperative Baptist churches, including a church I served in 2005, to share meals in the homes and restaurants owned by Afghan refugees. For 20 years, they have been ministering to Afghan Christians who escaped the underground church of Afghanistan and have found community in the Bay Area of San Francisco. 20 years they've been inviting refugees from Afghanistan and Iran and other parts of the Middle East to follow Jesus. 20 years. Lita and Rick have spent this entire last week listening to Afghan refugees tell the stories of their fears and their prayers about what's happening in their homeland. People are confiding in them in ways they would not have confided in a volunteer missionary. People are praying with them in ways that we could not imagine. You at First Baptist Decatur are participating in offering hospitality and love and healing to some of the people in the world today who are hurting most because 30 years ago you joined a community committed to being part of God's transformation in ways that make a difference for decades. The Cooperative Baptist Fellowship through our life, rooted in the life of God, is inviting, equipping, and being transformed. And you are connected through that fellowship with truly unique ministries that are transforming congregations and extending a witness to God's love in the places in the world today where that is most urgently necessary. Thanks be to God for all that has been and that all that will be.